What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm really excited for the guest that I have on today. Uh, he's become a good friend of mine through the social media world. Like, you know, we're all doing this connection through social media, but he's become a good friend of mine and the things he's doing in his world right now uh, really align with uh, being a dad and being a businessman. So I just want to thank John Puritz for being on the show, brother. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. It is an honor, truly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we've got a chance to connect. Uh, for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's dive into a little bit of backstory about John, kind of how you grew up, uh, how you got into what you're doing now. And then obviously, we're going to dive into not only your podcast, but your book, but more importantly, your family. So, mm. yeah, uh, well, family will be a running theme through through all of it, because, um, you know, everything I do is is with family in mind. I um I'm from the Northeast, so I grew up on, on Long Island, New York, and then at 14, it's a perfect like like really Brian, dad, just being a dad and the influence of dads and men in our lives. You're going to see it's a running theme for me. Um, my parents are divorced when I was two, and um, my dad lived two hours away, so every other weekend he would come out, pick us up. And, and, you know, we would spend time in the car and then go to his place and, and then come home. So my dad really kind of became this superhero figure for me because I knew every two weeks I was going to see him. I idolized my father. Uh, and at 14 years old, he came to me and said, you need, you need to be with me. Uh, you know, you need your dad. Um, so I moved, um, I moved in with him um, from Long Island to Connecticut and uh, I spent my high school years and college and really the, the rest of my adult life until my early 30s up in Connecticut. Um, and I was a, I was a musician. I, uh, I really did think I was going to be a rock star. I, I am a drummer. I, I still play all the time. Uh, but I went to uh, music school for college while I was pursuing a record deal. And my dad was super supportive of that. And um, but along the way at 33, sorry, at 23 years old, when I graduated college, um, while the music thing was kind of still, you know, going on, uh, I got a job working with kids teaching uh, music. So I was uh, a public school educator from uh, the age 23 to 33. And then uh, I kind of, you know, I, I say went into the middle class trap, you know, which was go to school, get good grades, get a good job at um, at age 27, got married at, uh, 28, we bought a house, 29 had our daughter, 31 got my master's 33 had our son. And, you know, so everything was kind of in the box. Um, I always, always, always wanted to be a dad. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to get married. I I'm blessed to have married my best friend. Um, and we're married now 25 years, but, um, at 33 years old. So our daughter was a daycare kid. And then our son went into daycare and, you know, on paper, everything looked like it was supposed to be married house, kids, good job, tenure as a teacher, the whole thing. I was a high school band director, which, and I had complete autonomy and tenure. 
But um, something was off and I knew that I was not happy. We were knee deep in debt. We were like a paycheck away from broke all the time. My wife wasn't happy. So I went to my pastor at the time and I said, you know, something's just off. I don't know what it is. And after a conversation, he handed me the book Wild at Heart, which that book has become a running theme in my life. I read that book at 32, 33 years old, and it it just grabbed a hold of me in such a way that changed literally the course of my life. It changed my children's lives, the thousands of lives that have been impacted from reading that book on what we did over the last 19 years. Um, but in, in an extreme move, we gave everything up, literally resigned our teaching positions, sold our home, and our kids were soon to be five and one. And my wife was 32, I was 33. And we came here to Florida with no plan. Literally, there was a roof above our head. We figured we're two educated people. We'll figure it out, which was so not who I had been up to that point. But, you know, um, speaking again through just parenting and I just saw my family like the one thing I did not ever want to do was repeat how I grew up. I didn't want a divorce. I didn't want my kids to have an absent father. I was literally working 12 to 15 hours a day, six days a week, running a high school music program. Um, The kids were in daycare. I saw my marriage failing. I saw us, you know, my kids growing up the way I did. And anything had to be better than that. And if you're on this trajectory where you're like, that's the foregone conclusion, I'm going to stop and figure it out rather than keep going and playing it safe. That's what Wild at Heart really kind of brought to me. So we came here to Florida and stumbled two weeks later into financial education. And that's what launched um, us making a complete career shift into, you know, teaching, um, you know, families, how the financial world really worked and helping them. And now uh, it's almost a 19 year career that we've been doing that. Our children are now 23 and 19. Uh, Again, we just celebrated 25 years married. I live in Florida, which is freaking awesome, you know? So uh, it's good. I mean, it's obviously there's challenges along the way, but um, in regards to the book, uh, in 2015, so in my in my business, I would coach men and women just on the kind of entrepreneurial journey and mentor them. And I saw a shift in in about 2015 where you started to see women kind of taking over um, decision making. They were taking over handling the finances. But I would be coaching men, and I'd hear a couple of. If I was coaching a man, I'd hear let me check with my wife. And not that you shouldn't check with your wife, but it was more permission than it was anything else. And and I was seeing men get to a point where they would, when it was that point where I was at young 30s, to push to the next level, whatever that looked like, I would watch men shrink from that. And if I was coaching women, they were lamenting the fact that their husbands were not leading. And I really started to see that. And I had a young guy in my in my business at the time. And I just literally, his wife had called me. She's like, look, he's not doing what you're coaching him to do. He's kind of playing video games. He's a little checked out. And I just wanted to grab him and go, dude, will you please just, you know, man the F up? You know what I mean? And uh, that's what led to um, something's off. And so in 2018, I wrote a book. The original title was, you know, man the blank up and and then I had to change it. And that's where man up already got got from, you know, where I got it from. 
uh, which I'm grateful because it's it's kind of been a brand. But then in 2019, launched a podcast, you know, kind of like we were talking. And uh, here we are, you know, um, it's uh, it's a topic that I think today is more relevant than ever because it affects being a father. It affects men leading in their home, in their marketplace. Uh, it's a big, big uh, concern right now, I think. Yeah, let's, di- let's uh, dial it back just a little bit on what you were talking about with you as a young boy um, living in a essentially a divorced household or a divorced yep. home. How did that impact you and in what kind of ways did you learn from that experience to when where you are today? How did it how, what kind of things did you learn? How did that impact you as a little boy? Uh, it was traumatic is is the word I would use. Um, I had a very traumatic childhood. My mom remarried um, to a, a kind of weak guy and his kids were chaos Um so the family dynamic was just, it was me and my sister. And then, you know, the two other kids. Um, so that's why I say my father became mythical because I always felt like he was just kind of rescuing me from this chaotic family that, um, I was in. Um, so it was, it was rough. It it, it was, you know, being a child of divorce, it was, it was just rough. You know, my mom and my dad didn't get along very well during that whole time. So you're, constantly navigating all of that. I think the, the emotional stress of that uh, took its toll in many different ways. So um, it was rough. Yeah. You know, I think about uh, some of the people that I've known that have uh, divorced themselves and and they, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, the kids are, kids are resilient. They'll get through it. Uh, But the fact of the matter is it does impact them regardless of how well the parents may still be getting along and may still be co-parenting it does ultimately impact uh, the children um, tremendously and more so than probably even the parents even realize. Um, So I think for you kind of going through that and then having to have uh, kind of this new family uh, in your life um, made it even that much more difficult. And I think that's probably why you are the way you are today. Um, Just not wanting to go through that experience or put your own kids through that experience um, is is something that's really on your heart. You just don't want your kids to have to go through that. So when it comes to you and your wife uh, in particular, congratulations on 25 years. It's funny. My wife and I just, just celebrated our 25th year as well uh, in June. So the fact that uh, you guys are aware of that and know that, that you're going to make this work, you're committed to each other. Your marriage is, is you're bonded to each other uh, forever. Um, and you'll make this work for your kids and for yourselves um, is probably what you learned from your own experiences, right? Yeah, you know, it, um, and I'll get really personal because I think it has absolute relevance. Um, I don't think I understood the trauma, certainly back back then I, I knew things were were off, you know what I mean? And you're just kind of living in chaos as a kid and you're, you're kind of figuring it out. I had was a big time introvert, um, big time, um, you know, always seeking approval because, you know, my dad's not there and, and, and I'm a fanatic about the importance of dads, especially in, not only in their children's, I mean, look, both, both. Uh, but when a, when a boy, you know, reaches a certain age, he's got to have his father that, that, that is, is, is massive. Um, but where it really showed up, for me, believe it or not, it was a few years ago. Um, my dad died uh, at, when I was 38 years old. And in that moment, I um, 
my emotions were, I call them cauterized. Like you, you just, they were shut off for about nine years. And then I, I kind of woke up to that in the mountains of Colorado at a, at a boot camp. But um, I imploded, uh, Brian, and, and I'm passionate about men and why I want to work with men. I, on the verge of my 50th birthday, literally imploded. And that midlife crisis, which was the result of all that trauma and all that programming and how I pressed it down and then losing my dad, it all kind of built up to this moment that almost took my family out. And my wife and I were sitting on the couch December 12th of 2019 deciding on whether or not we were going to end our marriage or mm -hmm. we were going to fight and thank God for 20 years of personal development. And uh, I always recommend a book called Extreme Ownership because we took extreme ownership. We literally said, you know what, if we're going to continue, we're, we're not going to blame. We're going to fix what needs to be fixed. I went and got, got you know some help. And that's when I learned to talk about trauma that my eight-year-old and my 13-year-old self were running my program. Mm. And um, thank God that I was able to figure that out. And so when the, when they show up, I'm I, I'm able to recognize them and push that. You know, I'm now 52, right? And how many men out there are running around in their 50s, but they're still eight or they're still 13, still still carrying these things around. So that's that's the passion that I have of really kind of you know helping after what I've learned. So 25 years is is an amazing, wonderful thing. We have an incredible, incredible marriage. But those things are 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 hard hard fought, and and I'm proud of 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 that for sure. Yeah, <laughs> marriage marriage isn't easy. It's something that you have to constantly work at. And we talk about uh, you know continuing to date your wives and and things like that that are important, uh, so important, especially 25 years in, probably more so than when you're five years in. But um, continuing to work on it. My wife and I uh, work on our marriage constantly. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure like you, we have issues. We have our little hiccups along the way, but we're committed to the relationship and the bond uh, for us and for our kids. Our kids are yeah. our kids are grown. As I was telling you, my boys are grown. So uh, it would be easy for us to, to call it quits, but there's it makes no sense to us. We're, we're so committed to each other and this bond that we have, this relationship that we have, that we're going to make it work. And if it means we have to continue to date each other and talk and learn how to communicate and learn new ways to uh, build the relationship, that's another area that we have to focus on, that we should focus on as, as uh, couples, is continuing to learn new ways to really bond with each other, bond with your spouse. Uh, my wife and I see a marriage therapist every other month. Uh, and we talk to this marriage therapist, not, not because we have problems, but so we don't have problems. It's just, yeah, that's great. She's our marriage coach. So, um, yeah. highly, highly recommend, uh, for those of you that are out there watching or listening, if you don't have like a marriage coach in your life, get a marriage coach because, uh, you may not be having any issues and things may be great, but I'll, there's going to be something along the way that, that, you know, maybe a marriage coach can help you work through. So um, that's really cool. I, I did find it interesting, though, in your story and, and uh, kind of what you were talking about, how you uh, kind of made this mental shift and this really this financial shift for you and your family, you and your wife, both leaving a teaching jobs pretty, uh, pretty settled in, in the life that you were living as, as teachers uh, and then just up and moving, that's a huge, huge um, transition for the family, yeah. for the family dynamic to really go through, to have to sell the home, move to another state, figure out what you're going to do financially or for a career moving forward. Where did the shift happen from 
you know, really music teacher to uh, essentially financial services, right? How, I mean, yeah. how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> the answer is faith more than anything else. Um, so I read wild at heart and wild at heart. That, that book is, is just so good. And I just, I read it every other year, if not every year, that book says that every man is wired by God to have three things, a battle to fight an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. And when I looked at my life, there was no battle, right? I had lost the battle. I was miserable. Life is not an adventure. It's a nightmare and I'm going to lose the beauty, right? So there's number one, it was to continue going in. Why did I leave, you know, Long Island living with my mom and go to my dad? Because living with my mom, I saw the, I'd be in jail or on drugs. I just kind of knew what that looked like. So this is better even if it's unknown. And it was the same kind of, you know, when, when your situation is intolerable, you have to change, you have to change. And God, you know, I'm going to talk about faith all the time. It's such a huge part of my life. I've learned over time that God needs us in that space of the unknown, because that's where we rely on him. Number one, the most, but that's where the most personal development work gets done. And that was the really the first time that I had done that kind of personal development during that process. So Florida, our, after 9-11, our whole family ended up in Florida. I'd been coming down here since we were kids. And, um, you know, we hated the cold weather. So that was an easy thing, you know. So it was easier to see, to be around family. My mom was here. My sister was here. My cousins were here. My in-laws were here. So to raise a family, I firmly believe you really do need a support system. So we had a bigger support system down here. And we just, you know, it was just that being naive enough to think we're, we're going to figure it out. I, and I teach all the time, you know, in financial planning, I do this, but in coaching, I do this. You've got to start with what the end result looks like. That's why I think writing your, your eulogy is, is really powerful. You know, like what does the end result look like? So I had a non-negotiable my wife stays home, our kids stay out of daycare, and we make six figures. And that was the lens that I filtered everything through because I knew, number one, the work ethic that I was going to bring to the table would, would, would require, I was underpaid for what I was doing. So I believed in my ability to work my tail off. I just had to find that situation. And I was looking for a corporate gig and um, nobody would hire me because my resume said teacher. So I stumbled into, I answered an ad in the paper, stumbled into an office for financial services. But what I saw was education for people like me. So I knew nothing about money. I had every financial guy in Connecticut, in my, their hands were in my pocket and I never realized it. And I hate ignorance. So here I was able to learn and then I could teach other people how to not be me. And that's been the theme of my whole life. How do I help you not, you know, avoid the pitfalls that, and the traps that I've experienced? So financial services made sense. I wanted, it was certainly, if you're a band, I, I joke all the time, right? When you're a band director and you're a drummer, you're at the bottom of the to- of every totem pole possible, right? Like, because unfortunately, if you're a teacher, right, they kind of view you down here. If you're then a musician, you're down here. And in the music world, if you're a drummer, the only way to look is up, right? So if, if I... So the financial world is, wow, that's a that's a career move up. I, it's something that I, I want to learn and who doesn't want to learn it because everybody's talking about it. 
Um, and that's how that happened. I just was was committed to teaching and learning. And I found a passion. I have a passion for educating and helping people. So doing it in money and I had a knack for it. It made sense. And that's so that's how it happened. And we, you know, during there was a three year period from zero to uh, three to four years of becoming a vice president with our company and opening up our own office. Um, and that's just from work ethic, goals focused, you know, how do we get to six figures as fast as possible? Take care of my wife, keep her home. I, I really believe that adversity is a really great motivator, you know, um, and that, and I just make sure that we're always in a state of, you can't just coast. You've got to, you've got to go, you've got to push, you've got to get to the next level. Yeah. Do you work with parents, uh, particularly parents and uh, when it comes to money issues, uh, working with parents and teaching their parents how to educate their kids, maybe, because um, I know kids see money that, you know, we get to buy things I can do. I can I take my allowance and go buy stuff. Um, are, are there ways that you work with parents uh, in teaching their kids? A hundred percent. We do it all. We do it all the time, all the time. Um, it's a natural part of the conversation because when I'm looking at where the money's going, I can look at spending and, you know, I mean, what I've learned in helping people prepare for sending their kids to college, um, having done it, you know, those things really, really do come into play in, in helping your children, you know, just be better at it than we were. What about allowance? Do you believe in allowance for your kids? I know there are some parents that don't believe in allowance. They believe that kids should have, uh, learn how to, uh, be functioning members of the family and, and doing their part to make the, uh, the family run smoothly, whether it's doing chores, you know, cleaning things or putting the dishes away, things like that. Some parents believe in the allowance, the reward system. What's your thoughts on that? Um, uh, I'll share that through a story um, because that story continues to pay dividends. It's, it's amazing. So naturally our children came to us at some point and said, we would like an allowance. And I said, Okay. And, and, I, and I would stress the importance of asking questions. I think that's the, one of the best ways to shape our children is to ask why. Why do they think? What's going on with them? So I said, okay, well, why? And they said, well, we want to have money when we go out. We'd like to, you know, and I said, okay, that's, that's a great reason. But why should I pay you an allowance? And they said, well, you know, when we do chores and, and I didn't plan this, it just came out of my mouth. And uh, it's amazing what happened from that. I said, and I do believe this. I said, I'm not paying you for your responsibilities. I said, you're going to have to come up with a better way. So I didn't say no to an allowance. I said, you're going to have to come up with a better way, a better reason, whatever. And that, whatever that was for my children turned into, um, they started a dog walking business. Hmm. And so they were not, they started walking dogs and then they started watching dogs. And my wife was a part of that and helping them. And it was very profitable for them. That then led to our daughter, who was a cellist at the time. She literally would go in front of the grocery store, pop her case open, and she made 35 bucks in one day. And, and like, there was another time where she said, hey, I want to go on, on this mission trip. And can, can you pay for it? I said, we'll donate uh, you know, to it, we'll support you through a donation, but you're going to have to come up with the rest. Well, then she started knitting scarves and she made the rest of the money 
She put it out on social media. People ordered it and she made the rest of the money in, in like a day or, or a week. It was amazing. So that question or that response, come up with a better way, led them down a path that both of them are extremely entrepreneurial. And, and like when they wanted iPads or they bought them, we would set a goal and then we would map out a way to get the goal. And all of that came from obviously helping families in the financial world. I just became very goal oriented. And how do you, you set the goal first and then you backfeed it on what is it going to take to make that happen? And um, I've never paid an allowance. I, I've always, they've just gotten creative on how they're, how they're going to earn uh, money. And now our daughter is a part of our business. Like I literally, she's our social media manager. I, I believe at, at an early age, we paid our son to come into the office and shred, um, which then led to, hey, we're running a meeting. I need you to do all the audio visual. So as an example, if you're having a party, put your children in charge of the music and then pay them for their time. Like it's just an example. And I'm creating that literally right now. I've just thought of that. It's, you can always find ways to say, hey, I have this opportunity for you and I'm paying X per hour for you to do it. And they get the opportunity to choose that. But if they have a goal, they're typically going to do that because they want to hit the goal. Yeah, that that's great because it, as you said, it teaches them kind of the entrepreneurial skills uh, that they could use later in life. Uh, you can do that at a very young age. I know um, my son in particular, uh, he, there were times he actually got in trouble for this, but I should tell you the story. Th there was a time <laughs> that he was, he was using money that he had earned and he was buying um, gum and sodas from the store. And then he was taking them to school. Yep. And then selling them to people that wanted sodas or gum. And he was selling them at a lower price than what you could buy them for in the machines at school. And uh, word got around that he was the guy to go to. So more and more people started coming to him for, you know, a soda or gum. And uh, he actually got in trouble. He got talked to by the by the principal of the school and said, you can't do that. Uh, but I appreciate he I didn't say got in trouble. He really didn't get in trouble. They just kind of said, hey, you can't be doing that. And so he had yeah. to stop. But I appreciated the entrepreneurial spirit of trying to earn money, uh, you know, a very easy way to earn money um, without a whole lot of work involved. Um, because he wanted to, he wanted to make a little extra dough. Um, so I appreciated that entrepreneur spirit. So that's cool. I think it's a great way for parents to, you know, if you're, if you have a business or, you, you know, like you said, you brought your son in to do shredding and stuff and you paid him. Those are great ways to help teach your kids work ethic and give them a little bit of extra cash when they, you know, when they earn it and kind of teaching them how, you know, how life works. So that way, when they are older, they're able to do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's um, looking back on it, we were in business and I know a lot of people are not in business. They have careers, you know, where they're, they're an employee and, and you don't have to have a business to teach the lesson. I think there's chores, right? Like everybody's got a responsibility in the house, but if I want the garage clean, that's not my son's job. That's not his chore. Right. But if I go, Hey, um, help me clean the garage and I'll, I'll pay you X per hour. That's that's still accomplishing the same thing. Hey, we're going to I think I would have enjoyed raking leaves on a property, you know, um, if maybe there was some monetary, you know, you know, instead of saying, hey, your responsibility, kids, is to is to rake leaves, which was a never ending job. 
if there was financial incentive, like, like we're not talking about folding my laundry and putting it in my drawer and keeping my room clean. We're talking about a community effort with the property you know, that we had. Um, that would have been a very cool incentive. So I think that there's just things that you can incite your children to help with and teach the lesson just as much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, be creative, uh, being creative as parents to help get your kids involved. I've done just that example. When you talk about cleaning the garage, I've done that myself where I've cleaned the garage. We just did it. It was just several months back. My older son and I, we started cleaning up the garage, going through the garage and just getting rid of stuff. And I actually went and rented a U-Haul, we U-Haul truck and we loaded it up. We took it to the dump together, the whole, the whole bit. And then I paid him to help me. He didn't have to help me. I didn't ask him to help me. He just, he was enthusiastic about getting the garage cleaned up and, and he wanted a little workout area. So he was enthusiastic for that, for his own personal benefit to get the garage in a, in a spot where he could just have a little gym makeshift gym made up. Yeah. Um, so he was inspired to do it because of that reason, but I paid him to help me because it's really not his responsibility to clean up the garage. It was mine. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, so those little things, those little areas that we can do uh, as parents to help encourage our kids to be involved in the family. And not only that, it allowed, I mean, we spent a whole day doing it together, but it allowed he and I to kind of bond and, and hang out. And oh my God, there's so many. Yeah. There's, there's benefits behind it. So um, amazing ones. And I would just add this because you had asked about teaching kids about money. The, I think the greatest lesson that we can teach our children when it comes to money is to not wait around for somebody to tell them their value. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we, 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 in our society, we tend to say, well, put down on a piece of paper, all the things that make you look good and then wait for somebody to pick you. And I think that's just a disabling way to, to teach earning money when you empower them. That's why I believe in goal setting. He had the goal of, of a, a little workout area. That was the goal. And so there's always a reason behind that. And if we can teach that I'm, I have the, oper- the, um, the advantage of choice, right? I can choose this or not choose this. And I can, I can make things happen because in, in life, right? We can't sit around and wait for things to happen. We've got to empower our children to learn how to, to, to make things happen, to alter their course if they're not happy rather than, well, this is just the cards I'm dealt. Yeah, exactly. I, I 100% agree. I think there's so many benefits behind it. Like I said, it, it created a time for my son and I to kind of bond and, and hang out and chit chat. And uh, so there was the benefit of that, plus the benefit of getting the garage clean, plus the benefit of I had, uh, you know, having extra help for me to, with me <laughs> to do it. Uh, just uh, so many add-ons. So uh, yeah. very cool. Let's talk about the the book now. I know that we hear a lot about um, telling guys, hey, you got to man up, dude. Uh, you really got to man up. It's kind of the basis of my podcast. You got to get, you got to dad up a little bit. Uh, but when it comes to uh, guys really manning up, what do you mean by it? Let's, let's talk, let's dive a little bit into that. And sure. I know there's a lot of dads out there that really struggle with, you know, tackling or getting through challenges that they may face. And I think that's probably um, why you kind of wrote the book is that we have these, we face these challenges as men, whether it's in our business, our family, our personal life, our mental health, things like that are so important. So what's the basis behind the book, Man Up? Yeah, it's not a, um, it's definitely not a, you know, kind of man up, shut up your emotions, stop whining, complaining. That's not the the motive behind it. It's really built on 
what we call the six F's of life, which are faith, family, finances, fitness, firm is career and fun. And manning up is God has created you for a reason and a purpose um, and manning up into step into who you are as a man, the way God intended you to be, to lead, to um, to battle, to fight, like all of those things. That to me is what really being a man of God is um, fighting for your family, standing up for them, taking the lead. Uh, I stress those things. And then the book is based on, I think. What I've learned in life, if you as a man stand on what I call the four pillars, integrity, humility, authenticity, and morality, if you stand on those and make those uncompromisable, you will live a life that earns the respect of people. Your kids will appreciate who you are, your family, all those values. I just think you'll live a very well-lived, successful life standing on those. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Those are those are powerful pillars to live on. I would agree with you. If I was a dad coming to you and saying, uh, John, look, I'm just I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to call it quits. I'm ready to walk away from everything. Um, is that I mean, is this book something you would recommend before they do? Or maybe it's the other book you were talking about or both? Uh, well, it's it's definitely both. Um, I and I so don't want this to be a plug. Um, but it's why I launched Man Up Already Coaching because you've got to have a mentor. Like so many men are checked out, Brian, because there's just not another man in their life that they can trust, that they can walk with. And um, those men in my life have changed my life immensely. I believe in in coaching um, because without it, I would not have have been able to accomplish what we've accomplished. So number one, um, if a, if a guy's like, I'm, I just can't do it anymore. I'm going to throw in the towel. That's a lie from the enemy. Um, that mm-hmm. cannot and should not happen. Um, you were not created or designed for any of that can happen. And I can tell you having stood on the edge of that abyss in my life and, and what is on the other side of that, when we quote unquote man up and really get right with God and get direction and all those things, restoration and redemption and all that's on the other side of that is is insane what the blessings look like when we do um which is why i think you got to have a man with you to walk with you but i would sit down i would say number one um wild at heart is absolutely uh, a, a, an important book um the book i wrote man up already is designed to get men to think and to start journaling and writing some things down and then getting a coach to help you along the way. And really, uh, you if you dive into what's going on, fitness, family, finances, you're going to find the issues in there. And if we just pay attention to those things and learn some techniques and how to get, I promise, life will change. It just, it absolutely will. It's getting back in alignment with who we are created to be. Yeah, I absolutely love the fact that you brought up uh, having other men in our lives to really help empower us. And I think too many, you know, I could say dads, but too many men in general are too afraid to go to others in need of help. It makes the, the us, we as men don't want to look as though we're weak or as that we failed in areas of our lives. And so we, instead of reaching out to others, we take it all in and we keep it within us. And then that just makes you feel even worse. You just, you have no power at that point. And I think when I talk about, uh, when you talked about going to other men and reaching out to other men as kind of your mentors, 
it is the absolute reason why I constructed my personal board of directors. And I did that two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it, but um, uh, all my faithful listeners and, and viewers know that I have a personal board of directors and it consists of seven other guys and they are in, I've specifically picked them for specific areas of my life. I have a financial planner on my board of directors. I have a guy who's big in faith on my personal board of directors. I have a couple of entrepreneurs who are on my per personal board of directors. I have a guy who's a fitness fanatic. He runs fitness programs. He also runs a huge, um, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, he runs huge uh, shows for uh, physique and, you know, like, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, but he runs huge shows for fitness uh, on uh, various areas of you mm. know, the world. Um, sure. So he's a fitness guy. So I have these guys strategically picked. They had to sign contracts with me. Uh, I signed contracts with them that we were going to commit. And we meet every other month and we talk about areas of my life that I need to work on. Things that have areas of my life that I need to improve, whether it's my podcast, my brand, my family, uh, my health. Um, all those areas, my, my, uh, how I'm doing mentally, um, personal development, all those areas. And we talk about that for me. And the cool thing is it's, even though it's specifically geared towards me, uh, everybody has grown from it and everybody appreciates it, that they all learn from it. So yeah. they're all getting, getting, um, positive, uh, rewards from it. So us as men, we need to put away our ego of us being weak where we're failing in areas and really try to reach out to other men that are maybe successful in areas that you want to be successful in, whether it's in your family or your business or your health and reach out to people. Because I'll tell you what, we, you'd be surprised how many people, and I'm sure you know this, John, but you'd be surprised at how many people will actually be willing to help if you just ask. Yep. A lot of people want to help. If John were to come to me and say, hey, I need help with this, I'll help him. If I were to go to John and say the same thing, he'd help me. There are tons of men in my life that I can reach out to and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area and I know you're really good at it. What am I missing here? You don't have to be weak. You don't have to, it doesn't look like you're, it doesn't make you look like you're weak. You're just trying to learn. And that's how we grow and evolve as men and become better men. So um, just a kind of a little sidebar on the on the personal board of directors. If, if you listening or watching out there don't have a personal board of directors, a personal group of mentors that you're really focused on talking to regularly, I'd highly recommend it because I've been doing it now for two years and it's helped me tremendously. Um, so yes, I agree with what you're saying. Men need to find mentors in their lives to help them in areas where they're struggling or not sure the answers uh, because yeah. you're not going to figure it out on your own. You're, you're, and I, I would just speak into that a little bit. You're, you're not going to figure it out on your own. Uh, you can't. Um, but the, you know, society has portrayed this um, picture of, of, uh, I think it's just happening on a level with social media like never before, which is why I think we're declining faster. But, you know, we put up this false self. I, I talk about it in my book called The Poser. And, and John Eldridge, that's where I got it from. This, there's this mask of who we think everybody wants to see, but authentic manhood, authentic fatherhood is being real, right? It, it is, is, you're showing up with, with, yes, strength is not just no feelings. Strength is 
I'm authentic. I'm real. That's why it's a pillar of, no, I, I do bleed. I do hurt. I have feelings. I'm sharing them so that they can be discussed. And you teach your kids so much when you actually, you're not whining, you're talking. And I think communicating, sharing thoughts, feelings, ideas, those things go a long way. But when you are authentic with other men and say, hey, like you said, I'm struggling with this. We do. We're wired to help each other. And you'll see it. You'll notice a poser immediately when they take that conversation and make it about themselves or they decline the, the ask. But an authentic man, authentic masculinity wants to teach authentic masculinity. That's that's so it's so important that those men, there's more men out there like that than there are the posers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, if my listeners want to look you up, John, learn a little bit more about you, um, maybe pick, get the book. Where's the best place for them to do all that? Manupalready.com. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that. Manupalready.com. It's not the flashiest website, right? It's more of a landing page, but uh, the podcast is on there. The book is on there. A way to get in touch with me is on there. You literally can shoot a chat message on there and I'll get it. Um, but uh, I'm on all my social platforms are on there. So, and I'm wide open. I, I love the conversation. I have made myself available to help and talk about these things. So I encourage people to reach out. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, thanks for being on the show, brother. I really appreciate you. I appreciate our friendship and uh, appreciate what you're doing, not only as a businessman, but more importantly, as a dad and the way that you're teaching your kids um, to kind of learn how to get through this thing called life. So yeah. appreciate you being on the show, brother. Oh, man. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thanks again, everybody, for watching, viewing, listening, wherever you are, to another episode of Dad Up. Thanks again to my good friend, John Puritz, for being on. Uh, make sure you're checking out the manupalready.com uh, website. You can pick up his book, look at all the stuff that he's doing. And like, like he said, reach out to him if you have questions. Uh, he's very responsive. Um, would highly encourage you to do that. And make sure you're checking out his podcast as well. But uh, once again, thank you guys, everybody there for uh, watching, viewing, listening, wherever you are. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Data. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. <music>